Chapter Three of the Life of Kit Carson by Edward S. Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The trappers, being in the heart of the Indian country, with hostile on every hand, were cautious in all their movements. When one of the grizzled hunters in the depths of the wilderness fired his gun at some deer, antelope, or bear, he hastily reloaded his rifle listening meanwhile for sounds of the stealthy footprints of his enemy he knew not when the treacherous shot would be sent from behind the rock or clump of bushes but he had learned long before that when he penetrated the western wilds and followed the calling of trapper he took his life in his hands and he was ready to go under whenever the fate so decreed the most flagrant crime on the frontier is horse-stealing he who shoots one of his fellow-men has a chance of escaping punishment almost as good as that afforded in civilized communities. But if he steals a horse and is caught, his case is hopeless. It may be said that the value of the animal to the hunter or trapper is beyond all calculation, and inasmuch as the red man is equally appreciative, Carson always warned his friends to be on the watch against the dusky thieves sentinels were on guard while others slept but the very calamity against which they thus sought to protect themselves overtook them one dark night a number of indians stole by the sentinels and before their presence was discovered drove off the major part of the horses in the morning when the alarming truth became known the employer of the trappers asked carson to take twelve of the men and do his utmost to recover those that were stolen Carson assented at once, and in his quiet, self-possessed fashion, collected his comrades, who were speedily in the saddle and galloping along the trail of the thieves. It may strike the reader that an offhand statement like the foregoing relates to a proceeding of no special difficulty or peril. A party of brave white men were pursuing a company of Indian horse-thieves, and the chances of escape and capture were about equal. Thus the matter presents itself to the ordinary spectator, whereas the truth was far different. In the first place, the savages, being as well mounted as their pursuers, were sure to maintain a swift pace, so long as they believed any danger threatened. They would keep a keen watch of the back trail, and would be quick to detect the approach of enemies. If pressed hard, they would act as the Apaches and Comanches do when they find the united states troops at their heels break up in so many small parties that it is impossible to follow them first of all therefore carson had two achievements before him and the accomplishment of either seemed to render the other impossible he must travel at a faster rate than the thieves and at the same time keep them in ignorance of his pursuit it is on such occasions that a man's woodcraft and knowledge of the country serve him so well. Many a time, during the career of Kit Carson, did he outwit the red men and white criminals, not by galloping along with his eye upon their footprints, but by reasoning out with unerring skill the destination or refuge which the criminals had in mind. Having settled that all-important question, he aimed at the same point and frequently reached it first. Thus it came about that often the fugitive, while hurrying along and glancing furtively behind him, suddenly found himself face to face with his pursuer, whose acquaintance with the country enabled him to find the shorter route. 
It took Carson only a few minutes to satisfy himself that the criminals were heading for the Sierra Nevada Mountains. But inasmuch as they were following a direct course, he could only take their trail. Where there were so many animals in flight, it was impossible to hide their tracks, and the thieves made no attempt to do so. They struck the horses into a sweeping gallop, which, with a few interruptions, they maintained until they were a hundred miles from the camp of the white men and among the fastnesses of the Sierras. Then it was the red men made a careful survey of the trail behind them. The black penetrating eyes scanned the country with a piercing keenness which it would seem shut out all possibility of concealment. Nowhere could they detect the faint smoke climbing toward the sky from among the trees, nor could they gain sight of the line of horsemen winding around the rocks in the distance. Nothing resembling a human being was visible. Surely they were warranted in believing themselves perfectly secure. Such being their conclusion, they prepared for a great feast. Six of the stolen horses were killed, and the red men became as ardent hypophagy as was the club of advanced Parisians a short time ago. The roasted meat tasted as fine to them as though it was the choicest slices from the bison or deer, and they ate and frolicked like so many children let loose for a holiday. But in the midst of their feast was heard a series of frightful yells and whoops. The appalled Indians had scarcely time to turn their eyes when a dozen horsemen that seemed to have risen from the very ground thundered down upon them. Carson and his men had overtaken the thieves, and they now swept down upon them with resistless fury. The fight was as short as it was fierce. The red men fell on the right and left, and those who escaped the wrath of the trappers scattered and ran as if a hundred bombshells were exploding around them. Every horse stolen, except the six killed for the feast, were recovered, and Carson took them back to camp without the loss of a man. The hunters stayed until early autumn, when their employer decided to go to New Mexico. The journey led for a great portion of the way through a country over which they had traveled, and which therefore was familiar to them. After halting a brief while at the mission of San Fernando, they arrived at Los Angeles, which, like the rest of the country, as the reader knows, belonged to Mexico. As it was apparent that the horsemen were hunters and trappers, the authorities demanded their written license to pursue their calling in Mexican territory. Such was the law, and the officials were warranted in making the demand, but it need not be said that the party were compelled to admit they had nothing of the kind in their possession. The authorities thereupon determined to arrest the hunters, but knowing their desperate nature, hesitated as to the safe means of doing so. They finally hit upon a rather ingenious, though unfair, means of disarming the white men. They began giving them fire-water to drink, refusing to accept pay, therefore. Those who lead lives of hardship and peril are generally fond of such indulgence, and though the trappers could not fail to understand the purpose of the Mexicans, and though they knew the disastrous consequences of giving away to temptation, they yielded and took in their mouths the enemy which stole away their brains. The employer became alarmed, and saw that something must be done at once, or everything would be lost. Carson had been too wise to fall into the snare, and he turned to him. "'Take three of the soberest men,' said he, "'and the loose animals and camp equipage, and push out of the place. I will join you as soon as I can, but you mustn't linger for me. 
if i fail to join you hasten to new mexico and make known that i and the rest of my men have been massacred these instructions were definite and they showed the gravity of the situation carson did as directed while the employer gave his attention to the rest of the men it was high time that he did so for they were fast succumbing to their appetites despite the indignant protests and efforts of the employer they would have undoubtedly fallen victims but for an unlooked-for occurrence one of the trappers who was so much under the influence of liquor as to become reckless fired upon and slightly wounded a native of the place the act threw the mexicans into a panic of terror and they fled from the presence of the dreaded americans who seemed eager for any sanguinary deed the employer was wise enough to take advantage of the occurrence and he succeeded after much labor in getting his half-intoxicated men together and out of the place the horses were forced to their utmost and the same night they overtook carson and his anxious companions all danger from that source was ended End of chapter 3